How we doing? Yeah? Good? Good. Amen. I'm a little exhausted right now. I don't know how, you know, Superman does it. All those quick changes, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, my toes are wrinkly. Fingers a little. Um, it's good. It's good. Sorry, I'm still trying to transition from baptism to baptism <laughs> preaching. <laughs> That's good. I, uh, I just appreciate, um, appreciate grace. Not just grace from Jesus, but grace who leads worship here. It's yeah. um, good. Um, yeah, uh, I also appreciate that Grace back there too. Hi, hi, Grace. <laughs> Love you. I don't know how to do that thing. That's that hard thing. I don't know. Anyway, um, no, I uh, I love her heart, you know, uh, and her sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and um, you know, I think it's a good example for all of us to to remain sensitive and listening to how the Lord leads, right? Um. And it's, you know, it's just, it struck me, you know, even first service as we began my message in, in a very different way than I had planned. But, but part of the reason I did was because what the Holy Spirit was doing and speaking through grace and through the words of the songs. And, um, and, I, and I, I would just need to, I think we need to center there again, this reality that like, do... Do we recognize Jesus like with us, right? Um, you know, sometimes Sunday mornings can be. I mean, I'm I'm a pastor, right? This is <laughs> this is my life. Uh, I've I've done it. You know, I yeah I yeah. It's Sunday is my life, right? I, I you know I'm always at church and I love church and I love being at it. But it can be it can become very routine, right? Um, and sometimes we just think we're checking off boxes, like, you know, kind of, oh yeah, that's what I did. You know, I had to go to church, right? And, but understanding that, that this is like, this is a holy moment in our week. That we're here to worship, right? Um, worship God, worship our savior, worship the one who created us and knows us but also worship the one who is with us and leading and guiding us. Um, and, and, and it's like, are we, are we aware? Like, are we aware of Jesus? Are we, are we listening? I know many of you, you, you are, but, but, I, but we have to ask the question. I have to ask that question. Am I listening to Jesus? Am I aware? Do I, do I know where he's at? Am I aware of his presence? Am I aware of what he's saying? Like, am I hearing what he's speaking? Um, you know, like every day, every week, that's just a reality that, that, you know, I have to be reminded of that. It, it's really easy for us to just kind of get up and kind of go about our day, right? And, and do the things we do. Even, even devotions become routine, well, yeah, that's what I do in the morning. I get up and I read the Bible and I spend some time in prayer and, you know, praying for different people or myself or whatever it may be. And it becomes routine. You kind of just do it. And then I go on my job and I go whatever else in my day, you know, the schedule is. Matter of fact, this is the American way. This is, we, you know, routine, right? Just over and over again. We just do this. We all want that. That's comfort, right? As often for us is something that's, it's the same. Like, you know, I kind of, kind of do this every day. I know what I'm supposed to do. And yeah, the weekends get mixed up and I do some different things then. But, but the, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So there's this, this, this pressure, I think, to just make all of life just kind of routine and, and don't think about it. And especially don't consider Jesus. And where is he? What is he doing? What is he saying? But more importantly, to recognize he's with us.
You know, it seems maybe funny to say or strange to say, but, but I just know that there's too many who are in the church in general, and maybe even in this church, that don't recognize that, that what God is calling us to is intimate relationship, not religion. Like, it's not just showing up on Sundays. It's not reading your Bible every day. Like that, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about the fact that we have a creator who knew us, who knew us before the first day of creation, before he said, or maybe as he said, depending on your perspective on this, as he said, let there be light, he knew us. However long ago that was, seven, 8,000 years ago or billions when he said, let there be light, he knew us. He knew when we would be born. He knew all the days of our lives. He knew who was going to be our parents. He knew where we were going to be living. He knew all of the struggles that we would have. He knew all of the celebrations that we have. He knew all of the strengths and abilities we would have. He knew all of the weaknesses, all the failures that we had. He knew it all. But more than just knowing before the beginning of time, he knows us today. Like he's with us. He's walking with us. He's living with us. He's journeying with us. He's speaking to us. <laughs> Many of you know this, but I just like, this is, this is so essential. <laughs> to know that the God of the universe, the sovereign one, the high and exalted one, like that, that he knows my name, that he is with me, that he actually has a personal investment in my life. Like he cares what's going on in my life, Amen. that he wants to bless me. He wants to lead me. He wants to guide me. He wants to help me. He knows the best life that he has in store for us. He knows exactly what that looks like. He knows that if we will just listen to him, if we're aware that he's there, aware that he's speaking, listen to when he, what he has to say, and then follow it, that we will get to enjoy the best possible life. The best possible life for us. We tend to want to compare to other people, and we look at other people sometimes, well, they have a better life. No, 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 no. The best possible life for you in the grand scheme of all of God's creation, is only found in doing and following his will, hearing and following his will every day of our life, every moment of every day. This is amazing. Like, this is, this is why we can't get routine. This is why we can't just allow ourselves to fall into just kind of habit and just this is what we do. We can't allow ourselves to walk through the doors of this church on Sunday morning and say, okay, I'm here to, you know, kind of do my part of worshiping and praising God. We can't allow it to just be, okay, Sean's up there and he's all excited again. Okay, whatever. Like, no, no, we can't do that because he knows us and he is always speaking. He wants us to know his will. He's always guiding. He's always leading. Are we listening? Are we following? And again, it's not for his benefit. He, he doesn't get anything out of it other than the fact that he, his, the people he loves are, are doing the things that, that are going to bring the best out of their life. Right? Like any parent, right? We want what's best for our kids. We want them to enjoy the best life that they can live, which is not found in the world which is not found in seeking the pleasures of the world. It's only found in following Jesus. And again, it's not some, the best life we can live is not some like generic kind of like, oh, it includes, you know, I got married and I had these two kids and they were amazing and they never had any problems. And then we had this really nice house and we had two and a half cars because half the car didn't work, but the other half did. It was great. And then we, you know what I'm saying? We, it's not this like generic life that we put up as, oh, this is the great life. No, no, no. It's just, it's unique. 
Every one of us has a best life to live, and that best life is unique. It's no one else can live that best life. Only we can. But living it is required, the requirement to living it, the only way to enjoy it, the only way to experience it is follow Jesus every day, every moment of every day. And that life might include a lot of horrible things, things that are struggling, that are, that are hard, things that are painful, things that are sinful, things that are abusive, things that are bad, things that are evil, things that are ugly. But we can still live the best life possible that's possible for us to live if we follow Jesus every time. Also note that if we choose, because none of us are perfect, to occasionally go our own way, that doesn't mean that we've now like lost all hope. Oh, now I can't live the best life I could have lived. No, God knew you were going to sin. He knew the foolish choices you made. He has already accounted for all of that. What you meant for evil, what others meant for evil, he meant for our good. Genesis 50, verse 20. We have to understand that this is, this is the God who we worship. This is the one that we praise. But he's also the one we surrender our life to. He's the one we obey. When he speaks, we follow. Why? Because he is this way. This is the good, good father that we have. And we know that he has good plans for us. Plans to bless us, not to harm us, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, right? He, he loves us. And that is the God that we serve. That is the God that we follow. That is the God that we submit to. And the reason we submit to him in part is because we know he has good plans for us. In Acts chapter 21 through 26, we see Paul interacting with three different areas of authority. We see him submitting to God's authority. We see him submitting to pastors and pastoral authority. And we see him submitting to the state or government authority in these chapters. It's, it's an interesting kind of, I think, section of Acts because like it, it feels like most of Acts is just kind of these like these kind of snippets, you know, they kind of Luke steps in, shares a story and then it steps out and then steps in. And, and, and so it's just like, kind of like this hodgepodge of events. And, and this, these 21 through 26 seems more, even though it covers a couple of years worth of time, it feels like more narrative, right? And it's kind of just talking about Paul and, and his battles with, uh, well, first of all, getting back into Jerusalem and then his struggles against uh, the, the, the Pharisees and then his struggle against, uh, you know, the governors, Roman governors and, and all of that. And, and so it's kind of this interesting uh, kind of compilation of different stories where Paul over and over again proclaims the gospel, but also over and over again submits to the authorities that are around him. And we see his submission to God at the very, kind of the beginning of this section, really in chapter 20, if you will, where uh, chapter 20 in the first part of chapter 21, he's, he's traveling back to Jerusalem, right? So, so Paul spent his life being a missionary, you know, starting churches, you know, pouring his life into others, sharing the gospel, evangelizing, you know, uh, the world, you know, and, and doing all of this. And then one day God says, all right, it's, it's time for you to go back, Paul, to Jerusalem. And so we see this journey, and, and, and uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at this, you know, the final kind of comments or, or, or conclusions that, that Paul gives the elders of the, uh, the Ephesian church, right? You know, and kind of this, you know, like, as I'm going, you know, these last, I'm not going to see you again, so let me give you these things. So, so but he's, all of this is in preparation to get back into Jerusalem. And we see in this Paul's submission to God. Because it's amazing in this is how many times the people that he meets with on his way back to Jerusalem try to convince him not to go. 
They're like, no, 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 Paul, you shouldn't go back. You should, you should stay here. You're like, like it's going to be a trouble. I mean, there's this weird imagery in, in chapter 21. A prophet comes up to him and says, takes off his belt, right? And, and then binds himself. And he says, the one whose belt this is is going to be bound like this in Jerusalem kind of thing, right? And, but, but all his friends and, and the leaders of these churches, they, they, they constantly, over and over again, we see them saying, Paul, Paul, don't go back to Jerusalem. It's just going to be bad there. They really want you. They're going to destroy you. They're going to, it's not not going to be good, right? You need to avoid this. Yeah, what does Paul do? He goes. But why? Because God had spoken to him. Jesus had shown up. Maybe it was in a time of prayer in the morning. Maybe it was in a time of his study of God's word. Maybe it was just in a time of just kind of journeying and being silent in solitude with the Lord. Or maybe it was in the middle of ministry. I don't know when it was. But whenever it was, God spoke. And told him very clearly that he needed to go back to Jerusalem, that it was time. And that even told him, yes, you are going to be persecuted. Yes, this is going to be hard for you. It's not going to be easy. You're going to, you're going to face some tensions here. But you need to go back. And I love how Paul didn't allow his friends, people he respected and loved, people that he cared about, people that he knew, like they, they hear from the Lord as well, right? He knew. That they had a good and intimate relationship with Jesus as well, yet he didn't allow them to hinder him from following Jesus' plan for his life. I think that's hard for some of us. Maybe we want to hear the Lord speak, but when he does, We, we, we can have a hard time following through, especially when those around us don't affirm that message. You know, the reality is, is God speaks to us individually, but he also speaks through others, right? And that's a reality. That's just part of what we, we have. He speaks through circumstances, you know, the quote-unquote coincidences. He speaks through, you know, the events of our life. He speaks through God's word. He speaks through our minds. He speaks through our hearts. He speaks through our worship. He speaks through other people. He speaks through donkeys, right? He speaks all kinds of different ways. But we have to understand as well that when he speaks directly to us, that we have, we have to honor that. We have to submit to that. It doesn't maybe happen all the time, but when it does, maybe we have the conviction that Paul did to follow it. You know, a lot of times we, 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 we will have, you know, a decision that comes up and we really feel an impression of, okay, what God is saying that we're supposed to do, and then we begin to share it with others. And others begin to like either say, no, that's not the way you should go, or you should go a different direction or whatever. And, we, and, and so then we start to doubt what God has told us. Or sometimes even worse, we get nothing. Well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what God's saying to tell you. I'll pray for you, but I, I don't have any direction for you. And we can be like Gideon, like we want God to like, he's got to show, like he's got to show up, do on the mat and then do not on the mat. Like he's got to affirm the message. Like I heard him speak, but I'm not sure. Like, so we, we look for that affirmation. Now, sometimes, oftentimes God gives that affirmation because he is gracious and he's a good God. But the question is when the rest of the, of your fellow believers in Christ are not affirming the message that you've heard are you willing to still follow? This is somewhat near and dear to me right now, a lesson that I feel like the Lord is teaching me, but I also have a good friend that went through this just recently. Huge decision they made in their life. And they were looking for affirmation, or they were, yeah, looking for affirmation from others. Uh, actually, no, this is, that's the wrong story. I'm sorry. I don't know where I got off on that one. That's the next story. I'll tell that in a minute. But uh, anyway, my story is that, you know, I, I, I'm going, walking through this right now where I did this reality where I feel like God has spoken to me about things that are to come in my life, but also in our church. <laughs> and I'm desperate for him to affirm it. <laughs> but I feel like there's just so much silence around me. And so I feel like the Lord's like asking me, like, am I going to follow? 
Or do I have to have that affirmation? Do I ha Does he have to repeat himself? Do I have to be the Gideon who puts out, no, no, Lord, I need, the, I need you to make the dew on the fleece. Okay, and then once that's, okay, next time, keep no dew on the fleece, right? Do, do we have to do that? Or can we, when we hear him speak, can we just follow? Yeah. I think the other side, and this is the other story, is that sometimes God doesn't speak to us. He speaks to others. Or he speaks through others, let's put it that way. And this was my friend, had a big decision. Used to God speaking to them all the time. Like it was just kind of a normal, God's always speaking, it seems like, you know, and, and very aware of the voice of the Lord. But God said nothing about this big decision directly to him. But all of their friends, <laughs> several different people were like, all like, this is what God's telling you to do. This is what God's telling And and are we willing to do that as well? Are we willing to follow when we don't hear it personally? When, when God doesn't speak directly to my heart and to my mind. See, sometimes we can get prideful about that. I know that's my struggle as well. Sometimes, oh, I know what God's voice sounds like. And so he hasn't told me that. So I'm not, you know, wait a second. Are we willing to listen to others? Talked about a donkey earlier, right? You know, Balaam, right? He wasn't willing to listen to his donkey. <laughs> and I'm not saying that others are donkeys. I'm just, just, let's not make that comparison. But I wonder too as well in regards to our submission to Jesus and his will for our life. I, I wonder if we even ask. Again, back to this just kind of going through the motion of our life. I, I think sometimes we don't even ask. We're, we're not even looking for him to speak into our, our life. There's, there's, no, there's no occasion for like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, what are you calling me into today? Like, like you know, maybe on a Sunday we do that, or maybe once a month we do that, or maybe on an annual basis we do that. But what, what is God doing today? This is a reality. We can't get in a routine of just living our life because there's something new every day. Every day is a gift, and God is always working. He's always moving. He's always directing our steps. So are we paying attention? Are we aware? Are we allowing him to disrupt our routines? You know, there's sometimes in our life it's easier for that to happen. I've, I feel like, you know, as a pastor, you know, it's pretty easy for God to disrupt my life because it's like, I'm just a pastor. I only work on Sundays. So, like, who cares what I do the rest of the week, right? You know, kinda, you don't know it, but, but, I, but I feel like, you know, like, that's kind of easy. I know some of you, many of you, like, you have, like, real-life responsibilities, uh, jobs where your boss is telling you. And so it's like, how do, you, how do you navigate that? But that doesn't mean that God's, you know, going to say, don't go to work today. He's just going to say, hey, be, pay attention while you're at work today. Yeah. What am I doing there? What are the conversations that I want you to have? Are you listening for me to give you a word to speak? Are you paying attention to the Holy Spirit so that you know that someone is struggling even though they haven't said anything? And that you can step in and say, hey, how are you doing today? This, can I pray for you? So I wonder if even if we're asking, and I think this is something that we we, we need to step into more and more in, the, in this era that we are walking into. Um, where, again, I, I sense the Holy Spirit is going to be more active and moving, but the evil one is more active and moving as well. And so there is, you know, disruptions that are going to continue to happen in our life. And the only way we're going to navigate this life is by each of us individually paying attention, listening, seeking God's will, and then obeying it. Right? We have to know every day what he wants us to do. How do we navigate this situation? There are going to be times when you're not going to have a month to pray about it. You're going to have to make a decision right now. And it's a big decision. It may be a life or death decision. And how are we going to make that decision unless we know Jesus? Unless we are lis listening to him? Unless we're aware of what his voice sounds like? Unless we are willing to follow him with courage no matter what he tells us to do? In order to navigate the future, this new era that we're going to be walking into, where God's kingdom is being built and where Satan is trying to destroy it, the only way is for us to be aware, listening, hearing, and acting according to God's will. Every day. 
at the end of chapter 21 and then again in chapter 23, there's two encounters that, that Paul has with pastors. The first is Pastor James of the church in Jerusalem. So Paul comes to Jerusalem, finally gets there, and Pastor James is there, and they meet together, and, and James is kind of talking about, you know, hey, you know, there's, you're, you're, you're kind of a hot commodity right now. The, the Pharisees are out to get you, you know, and you need to be really careful. Hey, you know, I'm glad you're here. I, I, you know, God told you to come here. That's great, but let me give you some advice on how to maybe try to navigate this so that maybe you don't get arrested, you know, and so he encourages them to, to do some sacrifices and to do some preparations to make some kind of, you know, commitments, and, and then to go into the temple, make sure he goes in with just those who are, are Jews and are supposed to, you know, kind of this thing and gives them all this advice. And it's amazing to me that Paul, the apostle Paul, listens, follows the advice of Pastor James. Now, this is a guy, again, that is for the last, you know, uh, six months or more has been, uh, you know, listening to his friends who have all tell him, don't go back to Jerusalem, don't go back to Jerusalem because you're going to, you know, it's going to be really bad. And he's like, no, God told me to go, I'm going. So he has the courage and the strength and the fortitude to, to, to ignore so many when they're telling him not to do what God has told them. But then he gets to J Jerusalem and James gives him this idea and he just goes with it. And so I think this is a beautiful illustration of the fact that, that, that Paul recognized that there is an authority, Jesus. He is sovereign and, and he's the one that we all follow. But there's also sub-authorities too that, that God uh, uh, gives his authority to delegates his authority to. And part of that is the church and the pastors as representatives in those positions of authority. The other one that's even more shocking is what happens in chapter 23, verses 1 through 5, where Paul is before, in essence, the, the Sanhedrin or the legal body and he begins to make a case and, uh, for his defense, you know, that he's not done anything that deserves to, you know, get the punishment. And the high priest that's in the meeting tells one standing next to Paul to hit him in the mouth, to shut him up, basically say, you stop lying, you can't say that. And Paul takes quite an offense at this, and so he kind of goes after the one who instructed the one to hit him. And saying, you bring me before the sham of a, of a, a legal proceeding, basically, to, to profess to be uh, uh, the one who is arbiter of the law, yet you are breaking the law by having me struck in this, in this situation. And then someone else steps up, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? How, how dare you speak to the high priest in that way? Amazing thing. Now, you would think, like, Paul's going to, well, who are you talking about? I can, you know, whatever, right, kind of thing, and kind of go back in his face, right, and, like, continue to make his point, continue to argue. That's what we would do, right? And, but he doesn't. Amazingly, he stops, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know that you were the high priest. And then he quotes Exodus chapter 22, verse 28, which says that you are to respect and honor your leaders to not speak ill of them and so he retracts his statement he apologizes for his statement and he shows respect and honor to this high priest who is not interested in actually being a just judge in this case again amazing to think this we struggle with this when there's injustice and the authority is the one who's unjust, we, we think we have the right to rebel. But yet, Paul here submits. He honors and respects. And why does he do so? He does so because he understands God has set up authority. Jesus is that ultimate authority. Matthew 28, 18, right? He says, he, all authority in heaven and earth are Jesus's, Right? He's the one who's in charge, but he delegates that authority to different people and different systems. And the church and the pastor, the high priest are one of those places where God delegates his authority. Hebrews 13, 17 even talks about how we need to respect our, our, uh, the pastors in our, in our world. And Paul, who may have written, wrote Hebrews, <laughs> certainly is is supporting that in, in the way he lived right here.
Now, this is a strange kind of part of the message to, to preach because uh, you guys probably know this, but I'm a pastor, um, if you didn't know. Um, I'm the lead pastor of this particular church, and so some of this can sound a bit self-serving, but I, I just, um, I, I, I just want to say that, you know, I, I, this is not about trying to get anybody to treat me with respect. That's up to God and you and all of that, but um, I also, as your pastor, it's my job to preach the whole gospel and the whole uh, word of God to you, and I think it's important for us to understand some of the dynamics in our relationship with church and church leadership. Matter of fact, uh, you know, I had the interesting role uh, for 20 years of being the associate. Um, at one time, I was just kind of a, you know, a, a, a part-time, you know, on, on staff. And so, as a result, I, I had the privilege to to see pastors, lead pastors, behind the scenes, um, to see their heart, right? To see them praying for their churches, praying for people, praying for people that had hurt them, that had said horrible things to them. Seen pastors, you know, that, that wept, in their offices, over their church, over the things that had happened or were happening. But also, because I wasn't the lead guy, I also had access to the congregation. And they often would feel a little bit more comfortable sharing with the non-lead lead pastor than with the lead pastor. And, and, and that, but I also was friends with them, and, I, and I, saw, I saw them weeping as well, and the pain that came from lead pastors that had hurt them, that had said things that were painful and, and wrong and, or at least misunderstood. It, it was this position of kind of that associate role that actually was a big part of why I didn't want to be a lead pastor when God called me to it. Because I saw how hard it was for the lead pastor, but I also saw pain that uh, that a pastor could cause others. How not purposely a pastor could speak a word that would be very offensive and painful for someone in the flock to, to process. Or could do some things make some decisions that would hurt. And I, I knew, I knew myself well enough, I knew my weaknesses, I knew the capacity that I had to hurt already. And when the Lord started calling me to be lead pastor, I was like, I don't want that. <laughs> I know I'm gonna hurt people. And, and the reality is in the six years that I've been here, I have hurt people. Um, some that are still here, and I'm glad you are. And some that have left. That's just a reality. But yeah, and I'm deeply saddened by that. I'm saddened that that relationship is broken, not because they did something wrong, but because I did. That I was weak, that I was foolish. My efforts sometimes to get a joke <laughs> can strike to the heart. Anyway. But I think we too often blame the church for the pain that we've, we've been exposed to in the church. We, we too often, I think, you know, just blame the whole system. Like this is, it's corrupted, it's messed up, it's, it, it's, it's not healthy. 
and so the tendency, I think, for us when we've been hurt by the church is to isolate from the church. Maybe we still attend, but we, we, we won't be vulnerable with the church. We, we won't open ourselves up. We won't really fully engage. But understand, it's not the church that's hurt you. It's, it's human beings that have hurt you. And all of us, pastors included, we're, we're sinners. We are not perfect And while it's not God's will for you to be hurt, it is God's will to redeem that hurt. And it's God's will for that redemption to come in the church. I think, you know, we can... I think we can also sometimes too quickly discount pastors and their anointing. Again, being a, a, a non-lead pastor and now being a lead pastor, I can tell you without any doubt that the anointing of a lead pastor position is different than an associate. Um, that does not mean I am more holy it means that for whatever reason God has chosen to use me in the life of people in a way that I wouldn't be used if I was just an associate. And I think we sometimes miss out on that, that opportunity, the, the blessing that comes from having a pastor that you invite into your life. And it's not that we have to be best friends, but it's that you would like, it's hard. Preach it. That my, that when I get up here and I preach from God's word, it's not like, it's not me, right? That it's the anointing. And that doesn't mean that every word I preach is God's word but it means that he can use even my miswords, my mistakes, and he can either numb your ears to that or he can use that missed statement word to burn something in you which will ignite a flame in you for something, right? Like he can use it all. Even the accurate words I speak, he can use. Are you listening? The misspoken words, the, the, the wrong things that I say, he can use. Are you listening? I think we too often come to church and, and aren't ready to listen to what God has to say to us. Not just through my words, but again, through what Grace is doing in worship as well, because God has anointed her to lead us in worship for such a time as this. Okay. Um, but again, we, we submit, we respect, and we honor pastors not because they they are great and perfect people. We submit, honor, and respect pastors because God tells us to. <laughs> it's his will. And he has delegated some of his authority to pastors to protect us, to care for us, to serve us, to, to care for our souls and help develop those souls. So don't reject that. Don't, don't fight against that. Open up to that and see what God has for you. Okay. Sorry, awkward. God's good. The last, the last area we find um, where Paul submits, in, at least in these chapters, uh, in, um, uh, is his submission to the governing authorities over and over and over again. Uh, we see he's, he's in jail. So these chapters 21 through 26, he's in jail for about, it's about two year time period, right? So he's in jail for two years. And then, uh, at the end of Acts, he ends up in Rome and then he's in jail for another two years before he's finally released. And then a few years after that, he ends up back in jail and, 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 and beheaded best of our knowledge. So anyway, so th these are the, the, this is the life. So Paul has very 
comfortable, in essence, with jail, right? He's been in jail a bunch. He's two years here, but he's also, even before this, he was in Ephesus, right? And so in and out of jail all the time. But the thing that you see in this is how, how he doesn't fight against it. Like, I, I don't see him, like, anytime, like, the, the authorities show up to arrest him, he's, like, fighting against them, right? He, he's not, like, kicking and screaming and hollering and, like, no. You know, he, he, he submits to their authority. Even in the earthquake that happens earlier in Acts, right? The earthquake in Ephesus, right? Where all the, all the gates open up, the chains fall off him. He's totally free. And what does he do? Does he like hightail it right out? Oh, see you later, guys. I'm free. No, he stays in. He stays in the jail. And then leads, of course, the jailer to Christ, right? And there's this, his whole family comes to know Jesus. It's this amazing, like, evangelistic moment, right? But, but he doesn't fight. He doesn't, he doesn't push against this. Like, it's not that he doesn't ever say, hey, the way you guys are operating isn't right. But he still submits to their authority over and over and over again. Um, and, and I think it's just, a, again, a beautiful example. And the reason, how can he do this? Why would he do that? Again, because Jesus is sovereign, and Jesus has delegated some of that sovereignty, or it's that authority, not sovereignty, but that authority that he has to earthly systems. One of those systems is our governmental system. So the church system is an authority structure, and the government is an authority structure. It's for our benefit. It's for our uh, blessing. We read, read at the beginning of the service, Romans chapter 13, 1 and 2, right? You know, that all authority has been established by God, and so if we're going to rebel against the authority of the world, we're rebelling against God, right? So we submit to those things. So Paul is living out what he actually is preaching, right, in, that, in Romans 13. And so this is a reality that, that his trust is not in the human uh, system. It's not in the human government. It's not in the governors of Rome. His trust is always in Jesus. However, he is willing to submit himself under the governance of Rome, right? And so it's, it's his hope is that, that Jesus will either use the governance of Rome to bring about good things in his life, blessing, or that, the, uh, that, that, that Jesus will step in if the government is doing stuff that shouldn't be doing, right? And protect him or release him or bring freedom or do something, right? And so uh, this is just a reality of Paul's life. But again, I think for us today, we tend to reject authority, all authority, especially government authority. But we also, and again, our government in America, like, you know, I'm not saying it's not up for criticism. I think a Roman Empire probably we could have criticized as well a little bit. But we tend to think that, you know, this is the way, you know, that the way is to rebel, that the way is anarchy, the way is freedom without any kind of restriction. The way is I get to live my life how I want to live and you can't tell me what to do. We saw some of this in COVID, right? And the whole shutdowns. And there, there's some people that really freaked out about that. And, and, and again, I'm, I, I'm not judging either way. Don't, don't hear, mishear me here. But, but I am saying that we have, to, we have to really consider what are we doing? Right? You know, why are we doing that? What is the concern? Right? Is God really designed uh, us to live in anarchy? I don't think so. Like he has given us government systems on purpose to bring protection and to bring order and to help us to flourish in our life. Now, sometimes those government systems are corrupt. Matter of fact, almost, uh, let's, I'll just, I'm going to make a really wild statement. All government systems are corrupt. All of them are. Why? Because they are run by humans, and we're sinful. So I think our tendency is to anarchy. Our tendency is to push back against governing authorities, and I just, I just want to caution us to recognize that God has set them up. And let's not ignore Romans 13 and what it has to say. Now, there certainly are times, and I think Paul is a good example of this earlier God spoke directly to him what he's supposed to do, and he pursued it, followed that path, right? Went that direction. No matter what other people said or what they were telling him to do, he followed it, right? And I think there are times when we got to do that even with governing authorities, even with pastors, but, but that's going to be a rare thing, and we better have heard clearly from God to just think, well, I have a right to do this, uh, 
think we need to be very careful with that. And again, the reality is, is that Jesus is sovereign. We can't navigate any of this without him. Do you trust him? Do you know him? Are you aware of him? Uh, is he with you now? I mean, do you recognize that? Are you hearing him speak? Are, 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 you, are you open to what he's saying? Are you, are you willing to follow him? This is, you know, if we do, this is, this is why Paul is able to navigate these situations in the heat of the battle without like, you know, making too many mistakes. It's because he's always listening. Every time the next battle shows up, he knows how to respond to it because he's aware of the Holy Spirit. He's aware of Jesus. He's aware that he is always speaking and he's listening and speaking out what he hears from the Lord. Just like Jesus lived his life, right? He, 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 he didn't do his own will. He did the will of his father. He didn't speak the own thing, his own stuff. He spoke what he heard the father speaking, right? And that we would all have that same relationship with Jesus. That we would all have that openness to hearing and obeying the voice of Jesus. Because I believe he will give us exactly what we need, especially in those pressure moments when we don't have time to make a decision. He will help us to navigate that. Now, that doesn't mean that our life, everything's going to turn out in that situation like awesome and perfect. And, you know, there's going to be lots of fun and flowers and pretty things and a celebration. It may end up really, really hard and difficult. We may end up in jail. We may be bound. We may be persecuted. We may lose our lives. Life. But if we are following Jesus, we are still experiencing the best possible life Amen. we could ever experience. And that is why we need to know Jesus. It's why we need to listen, and that's why we need to follow. And as we do that, He will help us to submit to these other authorities in our life as is needed in the moment, in a way that is honoring and respecting of those who are in authority, and in a way that is in accordance with his sovereign will. All right, Grace, worship team, why don't you come on up? Again, I just uh, want to close with just a reminder of this, that, you know, I do think we're moving into a new era. Uh, that we, we can't live day-to-day -day life the way we used to live day-to-day -day life. Um, and, I, and I think we need to continue to prepare for that. I, I, my sense is that, is that the Lord is continuing to, to zero our focus, that we would be letting go of the things of this world and grabbing on to him and him alone. And that includes in this area of his will being done. Like, let's surrender to him. Stop feeling like we've got to, you know, argue with him or stop looking for him to always affirm, like, if he speaks, may we walk, may we just follow, right? Because we're going to have to learn how to do that. There's going to be a time when it's, it's, that's going to be really important. And so I just encourage you to continue to seek the Lord in that and allow him to, to lead you in that and, and to be, you know, looking to change your life up a little bit and your routines, right? Be ready for those things to be disrupted. Um, and as we worship uh, the, now and kind of closing the service again, just continue to, to, to seek the Lord in this time, right? Um, yeah, let's, let's praise him. Let's worship him. Let's exalt his name, but also let's continue to listen and ask him to kind of let you know what, what are your marching orders today? Like wh when you walk out the door of this church, what is the thing that he's calling you into this, this day, right? What's, what's the thing that he wants you to focus on? What's the thing he wants you to speak out? What's the thing he wants you to do today, right? In order to kind of develop this uh, ability for us to be more sensitive to his spirit and more uh, obedient to his call, all right? All right, church, will you stand with me? Let's continue in worship and song. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you are in us. You are with us, that you are speaking, that you are directing and leading. Lord, that you love us and you have great plans for us. We can trust you. You are a good, good father. And you are always leading us to the best possible life that we could ever live. And so, Lord, help us to hear you. Help us to be aware of you. Help us to follow you wherever you lead. Lord, we need your wisdom, especially in these days as things become more difficult and more divided and potentially as things become more heated within uh, you know, our governments and how they treat the church and treat Christians, Lord, that we need wisdom. We need to know. We need discerning to know each step that we should take. 
And so we ask that you would just step in and help us to begin to develop uh, this uh, ability to listen and to respond quickly to you, even now, Lord, that you would continue to have your way. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that your word is true and that we can always trust that you are never going to deceive us. You're not going to lead us astray. You're always going to give us exactly the truth that we need to hear. So Lord, help us to do that as a church as well. Help us to be guided and directed by you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for being here in this space. Uh, Psalms 19, verse 7 and following. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be des desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, church, for being here this morning. Uh, we're going to continue in worship for a couple more songs. We would encourage you, uh, don't run away. Uh, if uh, you're worshiping, then continue to be in worship with us and stay in here. If you need prayer, we would love to pray for you as well. And so come forward. We would love to come alongside you in that. If you're ready to fellowship, you can head out into the uh, fellowship hall and fellowship. Phil, you've got a word? Speak it. Love you, brother. Thank you, church. God bless you all. Have a great day.